day, everyone. It's a beautiful day in the PsyQ community. Welcome to PsyQ Podcast. You are here with your podcast hosts, Dr. Zamika Simmons-Yan and Jackie Canning, where we will spill the tea on hot topics in psychiatry. That's right. Here on PsyQ Podcast, you will get the 10-minute lowdown on what's steaming in the world of psychiatry and mental health. We ask you to listen to the episodes, rate us, and review us. Better yet, share the Psyche Podcast with your friends, where we all can sip on the Psyche tea, and maybe have a side of lemon with it. I hope the Psyche community is filled with excitement, because we have a lot of tea to spill. Okay, family, it's time to spill the tea. Now, this isn't any ordinary tea. Because today's hot topic affects us all, and it is so real to our current climate. I know that you tuned in to hear just what Amika and Jackie is spilling on today. So sit back, kick your feet up, and hold your cup close, because we will have a riveting discussion about workplace mental health and wellness. That's right, workplace mental health. We know that stress and challenges of of this pandemic have brought mental health and burnout to the forefront for everyone. So joining us today is a passionate scholar, researcher, professor, physician, expert, and friend, Dr. Gaurav Agawal. He is so cultivated and passionate about the work he does. If you don't believe me, check this out. Dr. Agarwal serves as the MDD Section Advisor for PsyQ. He is also the Associate Professor for the Departments of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences and Medical Education at Northwestern School of Medicine. He is the Director of Physician Wellbeing for Northwestern Medical Group and Director of Undergraduate Medical Student Education in Psychiatry. (laughs) But I'm not done because Dr. Agarwal is a nationally recognized educator who serves as a wellness consultant to multiple research groups and is a certified leadership, organizational, and well-being coach. To top it off, Dr. Agarwal specializes in occupational and organizational psychiatry with an emphasis on workplace mental health. Friends, we have the stellar expert with us today. He is amazing. So welcome, Dr. Agarwal, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Amika. That was very, very kind. Oh, yes. Well, we are ready for you to spill the tea, Dr. Agarwal. So can you tell us a little more about yourself and your passion for workplace mental health? Sure. Um, You know, as you mentioned, I'm an occupational and organizational psychiatrist, uh, which really just means I I try to focus in on workers and workplaces and how to kind of how each of those groups can reach their optimal performance and potentials. Uh, And as a part of that work, I really got interested in this field by uh, evaluating healthcare professionals from around the country who had, uh, you know, really developed mental health issues, burnout, uh, potentially issues around substance abuse. And so when I would meet these folks, I would, you know, reverse engineer their stories and say, you know, how did you, how did we get here? I I don't imagine you, you thought you'd be speaking to me at any point uh, in your training. 
And, you know, obviously all their stories are, are different, but uh, what you did see this common thread upstream of when they needed to see me was they had started to develop uh, dissatisfaction or burnout in, the, in their careers. Uh, and so for me, certainly helping them in their time of need and, and rehabilitation was was meaningful, but it's also just very painful by the time things reach that point. And so uh, I started being uh, interested in what was the way we could really address this from a prevention standpoint uh, so that they would never have to see me in that capacity. And, and so that led to really thinking about what's causing that dissatisfaction, what's causing that uh, passion uh, in, in the career that we have where, you know, this, this is a real calling for us and it's really meaningful work. And so how, what, what's causing that dissatisfaction? And, uh, and so that, that really led to uh, my, my interest in this area around workplace mental health, burnout prevention, and, and uh, you know, cultivating wellness in healthcare professionals. Your passion is phenomenal. I know I think so. What about you, Jackie? <laughs> I love the passion. And this is actually the first time I've gotten to interact and talk with Dr. Agarwal. And I could listen to him for hours talk about all of this information. So I'm really excited about the tea today. So Dr. Agarwal, can you spill the tea for us on what is the current status of mental health in the workplace with the pandemic at this point? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a... I'm, uh... I'm cautious about a one-size-fits-all answer to this, uh, and I think that's a really important takeaway is, is people need to make sure that they are mindful about what's happening locally. You know, the pandemic had uh, different waves, different geographical surge times, uh, and so it impacted people quite differently, uh, even in our industry, in the same industry of healthcare, it, it, there are very uh, large differences in, in uh, the impact the pandemic had on places. And so being mindful of that, it's also important to recognize that the pandemic had various effects on different specialties. And so when I work with my hospitalists, my ICU docs, my ER docs, that's a they, the challenges they faced, the things they saw are, were different than some of our proceduralists, uh, our mental health folks, our pathologists, et cetera. And so, you know, I think one of the things we are really careful about right now is, is recognizing uh, how to be, one way to be compassionate is to really look at the individual in front of you and say, you know, what are you particularly dealing with? Now, having said that, there, there are, I think, general themes that we need to, uh, that we're noticing. Obviously, there are, folks that uh, are feeling hope and feeling excitement for the first time in a long time, as there is this sense that, hey, there's a chance that, you know, as we get increasingly vaccinated, uh, we're going to be able to see loved ones we haven't seen uh, in two years. We're going to be able to move back uh, to the way things uh, used to be in certain ways. Uh, and so there is this excitement some folks are feeling. Other folks are feeling exhaustion. Right, they they for they they for, foregoed uh, breaks and vacations. There was nowhere to go, uh, and the things that rejuvenated them, refilled their tanks, were not, were were not available to them for about two years. And you know, one of the things we're seeing is people are trying to go back and reactivate and get back to normal. But one of the things we we really talk a lot about is we can't go from pandemic time to everything's normal time without transition time. And so what we're what we're seeing is how do we help people 
really respect the transition that we think is going to be necessary before we kind of move on to the new normal. And so helping those people around rest, recuperation, exhaustion um, is really important, as well as processing grief uh, that we've all had to deal with in, in one form or another. And I know that a lot of us have had to deal with that, especially during this pandemic. Um, now, we emphasize that we know that the pandemic has brought mental health and burnout to the forefront, especially for our healthcare professionals in ways that are just surreal. So can you describe or pinpoint a, a major challenge for um, our healthcare providers and even the employers? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there was obviously several challenges on the front end around providing uh appropriate psychological and physical PPE. Um, and I think that for me, obviously processing grief is important, but preventing grief, as I mentioned before, was is really the goal. Uh, and the best way we knew how to prevent uh, as much grief was really making sure that people were protected and felt like they had all the resources they need to be effective in their work. Currently, I think the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges that people are seeing are some of the things around exhaustion uh, and a part of uh, part of what goes into that is really there's been significant staffing challenges, uh, as you've probably heard in other industries as well, trying to get uh, sufficient workers for all the different roles that uh, are needed as people come back and uh, really come back to getting the healthcare they may have deferred uh, due to the pandemic. Things are actually busier than ever, um, yet staffing levels have not been able to keep up. And so from an organizational perspective, from a, a employer perspective, that's one of the major challenges for the organization, which then obviously trickles down to the individual worker who's having to do the work of, of more people um, because there aren't enough uh, staff to, to take care of everything. So I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges I'm hearing right now from around the country. I know that we had spoken previously, Dr. Agarwal, about trust. Um, do you see that as a challenge, especially as we transition back in into our offices? Yep. I think that's a great point. I, I think I, I see it a challenge as an and an opportunity to be mindful of, right? Uh, the trust is is the is the price of admission when it comes to this well-being work. And uh, there's some interesting literature that came out that that looked at uh, this concept of trust. And what it showed was that frontline workers have gained a lot of trust in each other. Both nurses and physicians have gained trust in each other having gone through this. But the, the story is a little bit more mixed when it comes to do those do those physicians and nurses have that same level of trust in their health organizations. And there, there's a certain percentage, I think it's around 20% of folks in one study reported they had more trust in their healthcare institutions and about 30% reported they had less trust. Uh, that number was even greater if you looked at the folks that frankly didn't trust their healthcare leadership prior to the pandemic, those people really came out of this feeling like they didn't trust their organizations. And so the opportunity I think uh, right now is you know, people focus a lot on winning wars, and, and they should, right? Obviously, we have to win the war. But the truth is, when it comes to trust, when it comes to really feeling like we were successful, truly successful in something, you have to win the peace. 
you have to win the aftermath. And so for us, one of the messages we're really talking about is, okay, when we come out of this, it's not done. There is, what we do now is going to be what people remember and and what will lead to the sense of whether we can be trusted or not. And so that's where I, I was highlighting that idea of this transition phase, is if people just try to reactivate and act like, oh, that was an interesting 2020, wasn't it? And we just move on. I don't think that's going to work very well. I think people really have to be deliberate and intentional about this transition phase. And I think if they are, they have a chance to win win the aftermath and win the peace, which will enhance trust, which is, a, you know, the building block of a culture of well-being. I think that is so important, and I think that it's it's really great that you bring that up because as we move forward, I think there is a, that sense of distrust that you're talking about and really establishing trust in, in the system and, and moving forward. It will help in the healing process and really help in um, helping our providers and our HCPs be able to do their job well and take care of, of the nation uh, more successfully. So what kind of program initiatives are in place that have been most effective in relieving some of this burnout. What do you have going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when we look at history, we see that the the psychological footprint of disasters like these outlasts the medical footprint, both in duration and in size. And so for us right now, we're, we are anticipating that we saw oh, quite a bit of distress, of course, over the last year and a half, but we're actually anticipating that as people come out, uh, we're anticipating a spike in some of that distress over the next year or two. And so we're, we're preparing for that by uh, really thinking about training our managers and our directors to uh, recognize the signs and symptoms of distress so that they can encourage folks to use utilize the resources that are available uh, to help make sure that they're they're doing okay. Uh, we're continuing to focus in on peer support systems where we reach out physician to physician um, to folks that people have identified or people have self-identified as as in distress, experiencing compassion fatigue, uh, you know, really uh, coming out of this feeling like, you know what, I, I really am ha having trouble finding that love for what I did again. Um, I think we're also continuing to really, uh, again, as I've talked about already, is the there are lots of real challenges to rest and recuperation, but there are also a lot of um, mental challenges around the guilt that people feel, right? So if staffing is low, then people feel even more guilt about taking a vacation because they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to leave my colleagues out. And so working around some of that guilt, giving people permission to rest, having our leaders model rest um, is something that we think is very important. Um, and and uh, from an organizational perspective, uh, helping people get through this. We're talking about grief and how to help people process that grief, make meaning of grief, and really being uh, intentional about, you know, this idea of we're not going back to the way it was. We're really going to learn from what we went through. What what have we? What is new in terms of the way we worked that is actually helping uh, wellness, even compared to before? And how can we incorporate that into a new normal, not just you know running it back from 2019? 
Thank you, you know, for highlighting those initiatives, Dr. Argawal. And and I like the fact that you all are thinking ahead, you know, being proactive rather than reactive um, on such important issues. But workplace mental health, we, we know it's pertinent and we know it's going to continue to be on the forefront even as we fully transition back into this new normal. So what resources would you point our listeners to to learn more? And is there anything you want to highlight on PsyQ? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I definitely do think it is a silver lining is that we've taken away some of the stigma around talking about men- workplace mental health issues uh, together. Uh, I think I think it, it's been normalized con- uh, con- considerably, and I'm, I'm, I really do think that's a huge deal for us. And we always think about the mental health continuum. And so there's you know, kind of the bottom rung of prevention and self-care and awareness. There's kind of the middle rung of a pyramid where we're really helping people with distress uh, to to uh, really kind of nip that in the bud as soon as possible and have that be minimized so it doesn't progress to disease. And then at the top of the pyramid is really the folks that do develop actual uh, mental illness, making sure they have high quality evidence-based um, resources and treatment available to help them return to health as soon as possible. And so I think for organizations, they want to make sure and provide something in each of those buckets, you know, things like well-being programs, um, digital mental health apps, uh, podcasts just like this, help around that wellness resilience form. Uh, Peer support programs can help around minimizing distress. Uh, Manager training uh, can really be important here as well. And then obviously having things like employee assistance programs, programs where we can help people get uh, navigate the mental health system, which was frankly difficult before the pandemic, make sure that, that we can get our employees into care quickly. Uh, that is good is, is, is I think what's going to be really important. I think from a resource perspective, we've done uh, uh, a few webinars that I hope would be useful to folks uh, through PsyQ around burnout, stress, first aid, uh, looking for signs and symptoms that uh, that managers can be on the lookout for and how to respond to them uh, that I would uh, draw people's attention to. Uh, there's also other organizations that have a lot uh, that have curated a lot of resources. Think like things uh, sources like Psych Hub uh, have really excellent material that can again help with that largest bottom rung of the pyramid, uh, really providing things around resilience, self-care, ed- uh, mental health education. Uh, and there are also resources uh, the American Psychiatric Association's Center for Workplace Mental Health has uh, recently put out manager training uh, because we do know that the managers are so critical in uh, cultivating a workplace culture that that promotes mental health, decreases stigma, and facilitates people getting into care as quickly as possible. So those would be some of the resources I would encourage people to, to be thinking about, uh, both employers and employees. So, Dr. Agarwal, I I have to ask, because we're all dealing with our own mental health through the pandemic, through all of this. What has been your best practice for your own mental health during this time? Yeah, I know this is going to sound kind of silly, uh, but, you know, where I was struggling the most was in the middle of the pandemic. I'm a coach, I'm a therapist, I'm an administrator, and so a lot of my work is seated and became Zoom-focused. And I didn't have the appropriate uh, equipment 
to make that shift. You know, I was always just at work. And so I actually developed quite a bit of pain, um, that physical pain that, you know, really impacts your emotional state. Uh, and that's not even including the Zoom fatigue issue, which is, uh, believe me, totally real. And so for me, actually, my wellness strategy uh, was around ergonomics, is, is better understanding the idea of ergonomics, posture, having the right equipment, having a chair that supported my back and neck. Um, uh, in a way that I wasn't in pain anymore, which really helped my emotional state as well. Again, nothing that's compared to what our ICU doctors and, and uh, hospitalist doctors were putting themselves through, but but uh, that was my big, big uh, help for me. Mm. Well, I'm just excited that you gave me permission to take time off um, <laughs> from my colleague, Jackie. So Jackie, uh, you know, I'm gonna be taking some time off to rest. But Dr. Agawa, thank you for pointing out those resources. And I'm so excited also about the July panel um, that you are doing with Addressing Healthcare Provider Burnout, a conversation on workplace mental health and well-being. We're gonna make sure that that's in the show notes because I think that's gonna be an awesome awesome place for them to refer back to. But you have truly spilled the tea on workplace mental health, and we're so thrilled to have shared this time with you. Thank you for the resources, and we look forward to learning more. And I know you're going to be happy about hearing this, learning more and working well. So thank you, Dr. Agarwal. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. You've heard it for yourself right here on the PsychU Community Podcast, but you don't have to stop here. Definitely check out the show notes for the links to find more resources on today's discussion on PsychU.org. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more hot topics right here on the PsychU Community Podcast, please rate and review us. And please subscribe so you always get the new episode whenever it drops. Also, check out our other social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So until next time, thank you for listening, everyone, and have a great day. 